You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. What's my thing, you ask? I would like the show to start now. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and you're with us, so it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm Heather Barker. I just have to say that that was a great way to start. I also want to start now, so let's do it. Uh, Tonight on Mission Log Live, we return to our coverage of Strange New Worlds with our recap and discussion of Season 2, Episode 1, The Broken Circle. If you would like to be a part of our our live discussion, you know what to do. But if you're new to Mission Log Live, which I hope you are, and need a reminder, just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone or you can call us 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password you see in the show notes and the earl green of the earl green room will get you (laughs) settled right in thank you so much heather Uh, by the way uh, everyone please welcome heather barker back to the show as she is going to be co-hosting with us for the remainder of strange new worlds season two we're going to catch up with heather just in a little bit first we'd like to say hello to all of our facebook friends we have scott palm here in the chat we have jim we have back-to-back pauls which jim actually uh, observed so good on you there jim you get the gold star but followed by the third paul so we have three pauls uh in the house which is fantastic if you are going to buy a lottery ticket you should buy one right now we have captain mike richards we have elizabeth hi elizabeth um the pauls Yes, three Pauls in a hurry, Paul Harbeth. You are absolutely uh, correct. Um, Heather loves doing the chat, so you're going to be seeing Heather's name in the chat every so often. Uh, Brandon, hi. Cosmo, welcome. Glad to have you here. Let's see, we have Hauk Fisher. I hope I got your name right. Uh, let's see, John Arminio. Also great to have John Arminio, because I love seeing the name Arminio in the chat. And uh, let's see, scrolling down, scrolling down. A lot of familiar friends and faces. Uh, Mark Welch, Barry Wright. Dom, Dom, good to have you here. Uh <laughs> And Alan. Hello, Alan. I'm a little sad, no BC with an Alan Moraine, but I'm sure we're going to get one probably somewhere either in Twitch where he's at or maybe on YouTube chat. So uh, glad to have you back with uh, us, Heather. Uh, How have you been? Pretty great. It's uh, I'm just excited for new Star Trek, no matter what, and especially Strange New Worlds. It's really uh, one a special place in my heart. Uh, so I'm very excited to start talking about this episode because I have feelings and and I want to hear about everybody else's feelings about this this kickoff to season two. Now, you've been doing something special that we're going to talk about uh, in the ad break, but you have been hosting a live chat on our Discord covering strange new worlds so you want to talk about that now or you want to talk about that later because it's something that i think that's been great that you've been able to do that for our community there on discord i will talk about it all the time every day uh <laughs> 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 hi uh, hi michelle hi david oh my gosh um all the best people in this chat i just have to say and that is a huge all the people in the chat are the reason that i'm so excited to talk about what we do on discord um it was kind of a, a funny story where captain mike watched season one of strange new worlds wasn't totally in love with it uh Par- paul harvath and i were like oh my gosh what no this is amazing we have to make you love it it wasn't that intense, but we just decided to watch it together and get together for every episode, um, talk about our feelings. <laughs> it 
it was it was really great, even though our dear Paul Harvath had to bow out to go bowl. Um, but getting together every week and just like re- reliving these episodes, but mostly sharing Star Trek together. I find that no matter how much I might dislike an episode or not enjoy it, uh, and this goes for After Dark, for anything we do on Discord where we're talking about these episodes. Uh, the discussion that we have around it always leaves me feeling better about the overall experience. Um, it may still not be a great episode, or it could be somebody's favorite episode, uh, but the discussion just enriches how I feel about the episode because there's so many other perspectives and ideas. And so we're doing that with Strange New Worlds on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on Discord. And I guess we will talk a little bit later about Patreon and how to join us. Mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, in terms of the discussion continuing, as you mentioned, After Dark, After Dark is our Thursday night live show on Discord. And this week on Mission Log, we are going to be dropping Distant Origin Season 3 of Voyager this Thursday. Now, that's the podcast podcast that's coming out on Thursday, but it's also the show that we're going to be talking about on live chat on our After Dark. And it's the episode, if you don't remember, with when Voyager encounters two highly evolved lizards. No, that's the other episode when they encounter two highly evolved lizards. So make sure that you get the right one. And that is Distant Origin. That's dropping this Thursday. And Heather, uh, please let our audience know what else is happening in the Roddenberry and Mission Log programming world. Out there in the big space. Uh, so on, on Mission Log, the <laughs> Orville, uh, we're currently covering the Orville graphic novels by David A. Goodman. Those are set between seasons two and three. Um, that is Captain Mike and Jessica Lynn Verity. They're great. Go listen to them. I just love to listen to the two of them mm. no matter what. Uh, and then Mission on Mission Log Prodigy, Char and you, Norm, are covering new Prodigy-related merchandise uh, like the Young Adult Books. And mm-hmm. most recently, the action figures with special guest Earl Green and Tiny. Oh, oh. yes, the Murphs. The Murphs unite. Murph Watch. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. I totally was convinced after you guys got them that I needed at least the Murph. And so I have Murph and and Doll. He's, he's there. And these are really awesome. Like, these are... <laughs> For the cost, like for what you pay, they're really great action figures. And I want everybody to needs all. a Murph. It's a rule. Everybody needs a one. Murph. Yeah. And then we'll all get together and we'll do a giant like Murph selfie with all the Murphs in us. But anyway, I, I'm distracting myself. <laughs> um, these these shows and more are available um, at podcast.ronberry.com. Both can be enjoyed on YouTube as well. That address is www.youtube.com slash Ronberry Entertainment. And one last note from Captain Mike in the audience. Don't forget about the Orville rewatch at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on Wednesdays as well. Thanks for that, Captain Mike. And now, because it is a long recap, and forgive me, folks, I tried to cut this down, but there is all filler, no fat in this episode for Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 1, The Broken Circle, written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman and directed by Chris Fisher. <clears throat> the Enterprise is undergoing routine maintenance at Starbase One. Captain Pike and Una are debating her legal situation and options, which to Pike is no debate at all. He is determined to fight alongside her and plans on taking a short trip to see someone who he knows can help. 
Shortly after, Pike informed Lieutenant Spock of his abrupt leave of absence and places him in temporary command of the Enterprise, causing Spock unexpected stress and anxiety, which sends him to sickbay. Dr. Mabenga reminds Spock that after letting his emotions rise to fight the Gorn, he now has to learn how to live with them. Mabenga hands Spock a Vulcan lute as a form of meditation. Spock plucks a few harmonious chords and reduces his stress levels, only for them to rise at the site of Nurse Chapel, a detail that Mabenga finds fascinating. On the bridge, the chief inspector's operational team is getting completely underfoot. One of the techs tries to reboot Ensign Uhura's station, but she protests just long enough in order to investigate a strange incoming signal. She informs Spock that it is a distress call originating from the Kajitar system located on the edge of Klingon space. More importantly, it is from La'an. Spock and Admiral Robert April review the volatile Federation-Klingon relationship of the Kajitar system, specifically Kajitar 4, whose dilithium mining operations alternate each month between Federation and Klingon control, and right now, the Klingons are in charge. Admiral April orders Spock to stand down from investigating La'an's distress call, citing that any Federation ship's presence would be considered an act of war. Spock sees it differently and recruits those on the command staff to risk their careers and safety in order to steal the Enterprise and find La'an. But first, they have to get rid of the Inspector and her team. Mitchell simulates a warp core breach from engineering, but Chief Inspector Pelia is far more than Spock and his conspirators have ever bargained for. Seeing straight through the ruse of a fake warp core breach to steal the Enterprise so easily, Pelia confronts Spock, who has no choice but to confess. But Pelia reveals herself to be far more than just an inspector. She is a Lanthanite, a race that has lived secretly amongst humans and on Earth for centuries. And she knows that Spock is the son of Amanda Grayson, which are all good reasons, all good enough reasons for Pelia to help Spock steal the Enterprise by advising Ortegas to vent warp plasma from the nacelles and forcing Starbase One to order the Enterprise as far from it as possible. When Spock does, as he orders Ortegas to take them now to the Kajitar system. <clears throat> On Kajitan, Kajitan 4, La'an bets the Klingon Kurdak in a blood wine drinking game, forcing his associate to set up a meeting between La'an and Grainax, a local arms dealer. Just then, La'an spots Mabanga in the distance, and shortly after, she is reunited with her friends hiding outside the mining settlement. She found Oriana's parents, Oriana, the girl she saved from the Gorn on Valio Beta 5 here on Kajitar. They were in a camp full of miners suffering from ion radiation poisoning coming from the dilithium mines. Mabenka knows firsthand that photon torpedo radiation chain reacts with dilithium to cause these types of burns. La'an also told them that a syndicate called the Broken Circle is trying to buy illegal arms and reignite hostilities between the Klingons and the Federation in order to profit from supplying both sides with much-needed dilithium. During their secret meeting, La'an tries to coax Granax for information about why he wants Federation weapons tech, but the arms deal doesn't go exactly as planned, forcing La'an to quickly sell what she had without getting any answers. Meanwhile, Dr. Mabenga and Nurse Chapel, while treating Oriana's parents, are spotted by hostile forces and are taken deeper inside the mines into a massive cave, housing what appears to be cobbled-together Federation starship. After treating several Klingons for radiation burns, Mabenga and Chapel believe that this ship is stockpiled with photon torpedoes and is capable of a false flag attack against the Klingons to reignite the war. Knowing they must stop this at all costs, Christine and Joseph inject themselves with genetic serums, granting them superhuman abilities to fight through waves of enemy combatants to reach the ship's transponder array in order to warn the Enterprise. Mabenga and Chapel barely escape to an airlock, just as the ship's engines begin pushing upwards towards the surface. 
On the Enterprise, Ortegas informs Spock that a Klingon D7 battlecruiser has entered the system, but has not detected the Enterprise hiding inside a nearby debris field. La'an reports that she's lost contact with Mabenga and Chapel, but is startled while watching the false flagship emerge from below the mines. Mitchell identifies it as a Crossfield-class ship with its transponder message transmitting in Morse code, Enterprise, destroy this ship. On the false ship, Mabenga and Chapel scour the airlock for EV suits, but come up woefully short. They only have a transponder helmet and a jetpack, meaning once they jettison from the airlock, they have one shot at Enterprise finding them, if at all. The false ship opens fire on the Enterprise, which is trying to keep a safe distance from it and the Klingon D7 battlecruiser in order to prevent a new Federation Klingon war from starting. But when the false ship reaches the firing distance of the D7, Spock orders Enterprise to destroy it. And as it explodes, Mabenga and Chapel vent the airlock and are sucked out into space. Their EV suit beacon is immediately picked up by Uhura, who Spock orders to have them beamed aboard. Nearly frozen to death, Mabenga reaches out to an unconscious Chapel, who Spock revives with CPR, while begging her and commanding her to not die. In the aftermath, Spock proposes a diplomatic solution to appease the D7's commander, Dechok, a face-to-face meeting at the mining settlement and a toast of blood wine, which would let the Klingon stare into Spock's eyes and see his truth. Not only did Dechok discover a very unusual Vulcan in Spock, but so did Pelia, who requests to stay on with Enterprise as chief engineer. La'an watching Spock from afar is also compelled to return to the crew and Enterprise since she has fulfilled her promise to Oriana. Back on board the Enterprise and nursing, Klingon, and nursing a Klingon-level hangover, Spock is reprimanded by Admiral April, yet is forgiven due to securing a peaceful agreement with the Klingons. But next time, subordination will cost him his commission. Spock leaves to check on Nurse Chapel and is so overwhelmed by emotion, he turns to Mabenga and confesses that he has no words for how he feels. Finally, on Starbase One, Commander Tafune thinks April was too lenient with Spock, but April, staring at a sector of his strategic map, alerting him to a possible Gorn incursion point, tells Tafune that he may soon need every good officer he's got. The end. And go. (laughs) (laughs) That was really great. I was like on the edge of my seat. I was reliving the episode. It it was great. I enjoyed it. I, um... So, you know, a lot of our, our fans here uh, and listeners um, on Mission Log Live know that, you know, we do these recaps and we like to try and keep these recaps shorter. And I really, really tried. But I think it's because this is the premiere episode of a new season and they really had to stuff it full of a lot of exposition and information. And there's a lot happening in here. So, um, Heather, I'd love to jump right in before we get to our callers who are lining up as we speak. Uh, I'd love to get your first impressions on it. And you're so fresh with Strange New Worlds coming off of season one, you know, in the live chats on Discord. So um, did two questions. Did doing that prepare you for enjoying the premiere of season two more or did it stand alone by itself without really having any additional momentum needed behind it? Aside from just being really excited, I don't think it impacted going into this episode because where we left off last season was like the quality of mercy, overlap with balance of terror. There was a lot going on in that episode and then boom, Una's in prison. So I was, you know, excited to pick up where that left off, which we'll find out where that what happens with Una next week. Uh, you know, I, I got I feel like I went trick-or-treating 
I love my trick or treat pail. I love most of the candy. And there's like five pieces of candy that I didn't like. That is how I feel. I think that this episode really did a lot to set up the season. Um, it was a bold move not to have Pike like this, this episode, while it has most of the crew is very Spock centric, I think. Um, but it was bold to leave Pike behind. We'll meet Pike again next week. I'm I'm kind of waiting to make a final judgment about this episode until after I see next week's because I feel like they, they're probably interlaced. Mm-hmm. And then much with Strange New Worlds as it is, I'm just curious to see what happens through the entire season because it's hard to form an opinion on the one episode when there are unanswered questions. Uh <laughs> super soldiers what like there's there's a lot happening and and i'm just really excited to to get into it so i think like the discussions definitely ramped up my excitement but didn't leave like i didn't have any expect expectations for season two except that i love this show and i'm looking forward to enjoying it i want to ask i'm sorry i I wanted to ask you and and this is kind of like cascades into like our callers and then in the chat but there's one thing that has been it's been an interesting topic on social media. And it's also something that, you know, I, I took note of um, for, for better or worse, but it's the thing. I want to talk about the thing thing. You know, <laughs> it's the um, it's when Spock sits in the captain's chair or takes turns around and says, OK, you're going to do the thing, you know, and it seems that this is it's becoming a little bit more commonplace, you know, as we see new Star Trek series um, mature. Uh, We saw that just most recently at the very end of Picard season three, Uh, we saw that happen in discovery. Um, I think that it's been teased at in lower decks and maybe even prodigy, but it was very kind of front and center um, at, at a very like critical arc point, you know, with Spock taking command and putting himself in the chair. And it just seemed to be very, exposed you know as um as a piece of narrative and i'm just wondering did it take you out of the episode i mean to be honest with you it took me out of the episode yeah so i feel like i reached into the bag of candy and i pulled out a snickers bar and um like what's a terrible candy no one wants i i love i really enjoy the make it go stuff um even though it's it's everywhere now like fans of fans have done that for years what's your catchphrase like what you know what would it be and i think that the writers are playing off of that affinity for it but yes the elements around spock saying it took me out but i liked ortegas and i liked spock i i love spock saying i want the ship to go now like that was just great i loved it um but it it did it did take me out a little and that happened numerous times in this episode, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which makes it where it's like, okay, I pulled stuff out of the bag and, and I don't like these things. But when I look at what I got overall, I, I still think it was stronger than the things that took me out of it. But it's, it is always d- disappointing when those little things do take you out of it for a second. It's an interesting, it, like I'm watching it from, you know, having seen a lot of Star Trek and a lot of Star Trek kind of like compounded on watching a lot of Star Trek because that's what we do for Mission Log. You know, we're always watching a form of Star Trek in one way or another. So I'm watching it with Carol the other day. And when that moment happened, she loved it. She was laughing. She said, that's a great moment. I loved it. You know, it's very memorable. And I'm wondering if there is now this this kind of... um, 
uh, dynamic in fandom where there are casual fans. And I say that respectively because, you know, not everyone can devote all their time to a fandom, but there are casual fans that are going to watch it and say, wow, oh, that's funny. That's great. That's entertaining versus I can't believe I'm seeing that for the umpteenth time. Not everyone has seen it for the umpteenth time. So I'm just, you know, it's an interesting balance whether or not they're, you know, it's working for some people. Um, and it might be. And I just maybe like one last thing I wanted to get into before uh, we get into the callers. I really wanted to talk about what you and I were talking about earlier in the show, pre-show, and that's Mabenga's Marvel Universe superheroism. You know, that, yeah, yeah, because you you felt strongly about that, and you said so at the beginning of the show. So I'd like for you to take some time and talk about that. Well, I I think for me, oh, I got to go find my notes about what I wrote about this um, because. I, I kind of, I hate to say this, I immediately rolled my eyes a bit because I was like, oh God, I'm watching Marvel. Um, and for me, who is a big comic book fan, I marveled out at this point. Um, and so I understand that we're going to get these overlap things. And and I had to to sit with this part of the show because I, I love the acting. Um, I thought that Jess Bush and Babs, where's Babs' last name so that I can pronounce it correctly um Olusen Moken I hope that's right or close uh I I thought that they were incredible and I really liked spending the time with them but it was so unexpected um and Mbinga especially when we left him he had just um I say lost his daughter so you know we'll say that Rukia ascended um but it's still a loss of her presence in his life and so I was expecting to see something happening with that we have um Mbinga and uh Spock together in sickbay and Benga's cool. He's fine. It's only when he is, you know, in it that he gets these flashbacks. Um, and so I, I hope to talk to Paul Wright a little bit as a veteran uh, somewhere on Discord about that and, and his his thoughts, because even though Mbenga says that he is in control, he's not in control. Like, he almost kills someone. So he's definitely experiencing a lot it's something that we've we don't know a lot about uh i didn't expect this from from chapel uh we talked a little bit about where did this come from uh you know and in my notes like i try to justify things like thinking about um into darkness when we use Khan's blood to make like a serum to save Captain Kirk. Okay. So we've played around with that before. Uh, and honestly, when we, when this moment happened, I thought it was like something similar to a Gary Mitchell. And that was telekinesis in a different situation, but like get inheriting these superpowers some way, like what is going on? I thought maybe I missed something in TOS. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, am I dumb? Did I miss a plot point somewhere? And no, this is just entirely new to us. But it's a side of Mbenga that I have not seen. It's not connected to Rukia at all, at least that we're aware of in this episode. Um, it just has to do with the war. And so I'm really curious how they're going to talk about this moving forward. Because yeah. it definitely, like, I have questions and I hope they are answered. Well, we'll see uh, if we can get some answers from our callers, and we'll see if uh, Paul Harveth is up to the challenges. Caller number one, what's happening, Paul? Greetings to my favorite people in the world. So great to to see you behind the desk. Things are good. I'm going to be quick. We have a bunch of callers behind me. Um, I am 
in love with this show for the actor's conviction to what they do. Um, there is such a look. I have a cat now. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just showed up, of course, right now. They they are so into their parts, and they feel like they have something to prove, unlike some other franchise. You know, and never mind. We won't go to my last time I was on the show. Mm. These people are fresh. They're they're exploring their roles. They're expanding things we already know. There's a lot of tropes in this episode that were pointed out to me. But Heather, my my you know trick or treat bag was filled with one giant Snickers bar and a bunch of little <laughs> stuff that I gave to people, and they liked it. So I'm I'm really happy. Um, point two was oh welcome back Klingons. I mean I the makeup <laughs> the makeup is like just past um, that first movie kind of thing, and mm-hmm. they're just exceptional in their behavior, even their conviction to their parts. Um, just loved loved the Klingons in their new roles. So um, this guy needs to wave. Um, hey. The last one, though, Norman and I, I know this is near, and there she is. <laughs> now it's grudge. Um, this is, I, I had to text Norman this. Um, if you've, I previously I've stated how great of a uh, part I think in casting Nurse Chapel is. I think Jess Bush is amazing, but I now understand why I like the movie uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World so much because Jess Bush just reminds me of that classic manic pixie dream girl of Ramona Flowers. It's just like I there is a magic in her appearance and the way they light her and her eyeballs that just look at you and go, come along, follow me, whatever dream world you're in, this is going to be just fine. And and that's the vibe I get from her. Um, the relationship she has or, or whatever, um, the fact that she's this, you know, rough and tumble nurse from the war is is an interesting thing but man i was just glowing after this episode it's just an amazing amazing piece of artwork um in my opinion and i'm sure there are other opinions out there so i am going to leave it to you two i'm going to quickly sign off and say live long and prosper to everybody great to be back on the show do this finger, finger exercise and um, good luck with the rest of callers. Great to see you guys. Thanks, Paul. I love you your too. enthusiasm, man. I'm glad that this is uh, it's serving up something that you enjoy. And, you know, that's what Star Trek is supposed to do. You know, it doesn't do it for everyone with every series or sometimes even within the series itself, not with every episode. But if it does, that's great. They have stuff to talk about. You know, it 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 revs your battery, you know, like, you know, fills your tank. And that's that's exactly what it's supposed to do. What I loved about the Klingons, uh, since you brought it up, Paul, what I loved about the Klingons in this episode is we got a chance to see what Bernadette Croft was talking about when we had her on last week um, when she was trying to describe how she was uh, designing the hybridization between the TOS Klingons of the 60s and their gold kind of uh, the gold lame fabric and now how they brought that color or how she brought that color palette over to these new Klingons where you saw almost kind of like a regalness with Dechak and his kind of like his entourage like say versus the uh, like the downtrodden Klingons who are trying to eke out a living there you know, on a Ch- a Kajitar 4. So it's like you're seeing now like this one monolithic culture broken into all these little subsects of um, hierarchy, you know, whether like these noble captains, you know, whether they have, you know, prosperity behind them or some type of nobility or hierarchy. And then you have kind of like the peasant class, you know, they're not all the same. They don't have all the same backgrounds. They don't all look the same, have the same foreheads, have the same appliances. So now you're seeing a real truly mature and, and and varied culture and i think that's very exciting to see and i think now all klingons from all design uh, elements of all these different series have a place because of the variety 
You know, you're not seeing cookie cutter Klingons, you know, a la the, um, you know, the first time that we saw uh, the very first new Klingon in the motion picture back in like 1979. So I think it's very exciting to see. And I think it's very ambitious for them to do. And I hope they do more. Um, All righty. So I'm going to do something here. I'm going to jump a little bit early to the break because I don't want to like interrupt Brandon because I know Brandon's going to have a lot of things to say. Uh, So. We're going to jump right into kind of like station identification here, and we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping because we'd like to talk to you about what Heather mentioned earlier in the show. We're going to like to talk to you about Patreon and Discord. Now, if you haven't heard us before, uh, Patreon is how you can support Mission Log and what we do. You can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Mission Log and take a look at all of our different tiers and how to support us as a show with all different perks and different ways that you can, uh, you know, express, you know, your appreciation for what we do. And for a nominal amounts and the, the smallest subscription fee you can join our discord and uh heather would you please let all of our listeners know what our discord is all about our discord is all about absolutely amazing people who i love so much um so it's it's really about having wonderful discussions with a variety of perspectives and that is something that i don't get on social media I don't have a positive experience with that on social media outside of our discord. I have made our discord my, my personal safe space to go and um, just talk about all things Trek and all things outside of Trek. Um, I am very big on the the Disney thread these days, Um, given my new proximity to Disney world. It's wonderful, but uh, like my, my, my weekday evenings now are just, mission log discord events and i am very happy with that uh a lot of us are our repeat patron uh attendees and then we get new faces here and there which is one of my favorite things ever to meet new people but i just it's my favorite place right now and i really appreciate everybody who shows up and i wish i could read the chat and and say hi to everybody but i accidentally closed out the chat box so sorry everyone um (laughs) but uh, i love you all so much it's it's you know mission log we have our own little little community little family um a lot of us are getting together at at stlv but we've gotten together at different conventions different events and so even though like you're you're meeting people online in a community we still get together outside of it uh and that's always just the best thing to meet your people. Uh, so if you're looking for a place to talk about Star Trek and not feel afraid to say the things you need to say, um, come and join us. And it's come and super- join uh, Heather for what you're doing on now on Wednesdays, uh, which is yes. the Strange New Worlds live chat. Yes. So now that we've made it through season one and we're here on season two, um, we're going to do a live chat where we discuss the most recent episode. uh, And I am looking forward to that because uh, this is not enough for me. I want to talk about Star Trek even more and hear, especially from all of my dear friends in the group. um, I'm super excited. So that's Wednesday nights uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern following Captain Mike's uh, Mission Log Orville uh, rewatch discussion. And we're on season two for that. Well, thank you for that, Heather. And again, if you want to find us and support us and join our Discord, please visit patreon.com slash mission log and then choose the uh, subscription 
and however you would like to support us. We are so happy that you can, and we are very appreciative of all the people that have supported us so far. So with that, uh, hopefully that Brandon's gotten all of his thoughts in order, because last time we talked to you, we know how you felt about a certain season, but we hope that things have turned around for you uh, this season with Strange New World. So take it away, Brandon. Welcome back. Thank you. I am so happy to be saying these next words. I had a lot of fun with this episode. Fantastic. Um, I I missed saying that for a little while. Um, <laughs> it's, um, you know, I, I want to echo Paul and welcome back Klingons. Um, and I, I, um, I really loved, uh, there's just so much that I, I loved in this. And I, Heather, your analogy is so great. And I, I think we're probably all going to really run with that. Cause yeah, there were a couple things in there that I was like, oh, uh, okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I could really have left the Marvel segment or at least had a better explanation for what was going on there. Um, but I really love, there's some little things that strange new worlds does that I have a lot of fun with and that I really enjoy. Um, absolutely huge fan of how they do evasive maneuvers, right? Because we used to have evasive maneuvers that were like gently drifting left, um, or (laughs) angling downward by two degrees. And, you know, you, you had to really fill in the rest of your imagination, but now you feel like Ortegas knows exactly where, where to roll, how to pitch, how to pivot. It's really, it, it ratchets things up. Um, but I think I think the big thing that people are really talking about with this episode um, are is the the sort of I talked a lot about tropes when we uh, watched Picard, um, and it's very true that crew of the Enterprise steals the Enterprise, or really crew of the blank steals the blank. Is yeah, it's kind of a Star Trek trope. Um, I'll buy it over like Rando steals a shuttle that somebody left the keys in because I imagine Starfleet doesn't lock people out of the enterprise computers just because they're in space dock. But it was really interesting. I, I, I tried to think about this. Okay. How do I really think about it? once I, once I have some time to really dig into it. And I think of course, Pike and probably every other captain we've actually seen leading a Star Trek show so far would totally have approved of what Spock did would probably have said you shouldn't have, but also I would have um, because you had somebody who was near and dear to them signaling that there was trouble, but also that there was an existential threat to the Federation. And I think Starfleet, I think Starfleet kind of has an ends justifies the means attitude towards this um, because we know that they could have stopped them. It's Starbase one. There's at least a, a handful of ships that could have gone after them and just said, no, 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 no. You come back right now. Um, but in the end, this was something that they probably couldn't officially sanction, but when it happened, I, I didn't get the, I didn't get the, because I needed the episode to happen kind of feel from why weren't they hauled back by their ears? Well, you know, I, that's something that I've been wrestling with a little bit, to be honest with you, with, the um, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission kind of mentality that we've seen in more recent Star Trek. Like, if you go back to the original series, you know, it, when Spock stole the Enterprise in the Menagerie, it was it was going to be a career ender. But because they built it up as he had this deep relation, this deep, unknown, unexplained relationship with Pike, it added more mystery to his character. 
and for somebody who betrayed Kirk to steal Kirk's ship in order to do that for his former commander, that just added a layer of complexity and depth, you know, and mystery. And I don't, forgive me folks for saying this, but I think I'm right. I don't think La'an earned that from Spock. I don't think that they have had that type of relationship to the point where Spock would jeopardize everything that he's fought for from, you know, fighting his father to leave the Academy, to fighting humans, to fighting Vulcans, to fight, like to fighting for to be the best possible Vulcan science officer in Starfleet ever to jeopardize his career because of a hunch. And I just don't, I can't really reconcile that from the Spock that I've known to the Spock that I am knowing. And again, that's that's just maybe me personally, but in the menagerie, I completely get it. And in Star Trek Three, when Kirk steals the, the ship to save Spock, I completely get it because the the depth and the relationships and the history of those characters have earned that risk. I don't think La'an has. And I don't think La'an has to the point where they would risk Federation Klingon open war. So that's where I am with that. That's, again, that's my my opinion on it. But that's where I'm wrestling with that particular choice in this episode. Um, Heather, how did you feel about that? So I didn't mind it. Um, and I, I say that because this, this episode set us up with Pike and Una and Pike is basically saying he will do anything he needs to do to help her. Um, and he, he makes a comment about th- that if she had resigned, it would be such a loss to the ship and to him. Um, and to me, it's, it's reminding us that whether it's Starfleet or just this crew, um, we, we do everything we can to sometimes save the one. And so because I believe that this crew is is a functioning unit, whether you call it a, a family or whatever, um, because of everything we went through in season one, the fact that we had a season one and we had the time with them together, we may not have seen a ton of time between Lon and Spock, but I felt that it was just, this is our crew member, our crew member is in trouble, we need to go save the crew member. Uh, that so Because of that, it just felt natural to me and then i suspended belief of anything else and how easily it happened because if i think too hard then i will take myself out of the episode and stop enjoying it Mm. um but it it worked for me because that that element of we will do what we need to to save everyone um when it works when it's convenient uh, uh i go by that but that's also me just sticking to the you know, the parts of Star Trek that made my heart feel good. <laughs> and I tend to hold on to that sometimes over the the more logical stuff. I mean, it's fair. Again, it's, we, we had this conversation again earlier uh, before we came online and, you know, you, you had, you have read some responses of like how much I loved like the Klingon blood wine. And you said that you <laughs> read a response where people did not, you know, so I, I think that there is, um, See, I've been, I don't want to sound like this is my gatekeeping date, you know, but I've been watching like Star Trek since like I was wee lad, you know, um, five, six, seven years old. And then the only reason why I'm saying it is because there's so much of a mental library of information that I have about it when, when content starts to fold on itself, especially in this particular era of Star Trek, 
it starts folding on the mental library that I have, you know, that I have nurtured and matured and curated, uh, knowing that this is one thing and how it should be versus something that is being completely delivered to me in a different way. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad way. It's just very difficult for me to reconcile yeah. this history versus this new history. And that's valid. Like, I think that is completely valid. And it's something that came up in our discussions on Discord throughout the season, um, because there, there are parts that conflict. And even going back and me watching Nurse Chapel, for instance, um, I watched what what are little girls made of yesterday mm-hmm. and in that episode like I can see a connection like I can see the strange new world's chapel attitude but other times chapel's very reserved and is like a shadow of who this character is so there's definitely some mental work there for me but when I sit like the questions for me are when I watch strange new worlds what what does fully take me out of the show? Um, and I guess because my relationship is different to Star Trek, I am able to kind of just focus on, I don't know, what's in the, what's in the show and not, not trying to interlace it or make it fit too much because at some point it, it's just going to be impossible when you're playing in the playground that is canon. Yeah. Um, I don't think that, we're ever going to stick even if we somehow made strange new worlds in the style of tos like i think that people would still as we said it's people would still not like that or they would love it like it's never going to be perfect so it's completely valid to not like it or not feel like it goes together i think that is something that a lot of people struggle with and that i struggle with too yeah, that's fair. Um, we have time for just like one last thing here, Brandon, before we get on to uh, Cosmo. So um, what else you got? Yeah, um, I would just follow up what what actually what you said, uh, Norman, is just that I think I looked at this because there's that question of like, would Spock really for La'an? I looked at this as uh, a Spock who's grappling a lot more with his impulses um, or failing to grapple with his impulses after mm-hmm. his incident with the Gorn. And I didn't, I didn't feel like it was for La'an that he went. I felt that it was, it wasn't like, and maybe I need to rewatch this because maybe there is a line in there where he really truly is being like, it's La'an. It's gotta be, we gotta go because of La'an. I sort of read it as like existential threat to the Federation. She might not be his best friend, but I think that he trusts that she's not full of like hyperbole mm-hmm. about that. So a fair um, point. Yeah. Thanks for the yeah. time. Fair point. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate that you enjoyed uh, this first episode. I absolutely. Oh, so, yeah. so good to see you. Good All to right. see you too. It's great for great to be back with strange new worlds. All right. Yes. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate your call, man. And uh, we will see you next time. Take care. All right. And uh, Cosmo, a lot of, a lot of head shaking, a lot of agreeing, a lot of uh, <laughs> how you feeling? Good. Um, <laughs> Norm, you have a knack for, putting your finger on something that I feel or haven't figured out yet. And uh, the points about uh, Spock. I get really lucky. (laughs) Uh, Well, you did that with Deep Space Nine, where never even crossed my mind that uh, Ben didn't go visit Jake, that he visited uh, his new wife. And that totally like ruins the ending for me once you, but you guys are absolutely right. Um, And then I love what you said about the Klingons and how it's not just this monoculture now. And uh, Mm -hmm. something uh, didn't sit with me right about the Klingons early in the episode. But like you said, they were slumming, trying to piece together a living. And then the regal 
Captain, he I really liked his performance, and I'd love to see mm-hmm. him back now that he has a little bit of a relationship with Spock. Maybe in season three, he Spock calls him a favor from that guy. He really was a, a neat portrayal of a Klingon, and um, uh, so and then like Brendan just said, um, I don't think it was because he's that fond of Noonien uh, Singh, um, but so you're both right. You both made very good points. Um, Coming into this season, I have a lot of goodwill built up for this show. So when in the episode, there were like three or four things that rubbed me wrong. But by the end of the episode, I couldn't remember them. Mm-hmm. I find the cast really strong and delightful. I think it might be the best ensemble since Steve Space Nine. I think the, the chemistry between everybody is really strong. Um, Nurse Chapel and Mbenga, last season... I liked them, but they didn't wow me. But in this episode, in spite of the ridiculous super serum, they really wowed me in this episode, the acting and the chemistry they had together. And it's the first time that I really kind of sat up out of my seat going, wow, they're really good. Um, And um, the, the one thing I did not enjoy was our new engineer and that performance. And I might be a little biased because I really liked Himmer. And I'm sad to see him go. I'm still in mourning. Um, but I did not care for the the performance and the, the, the accent and the way she talked. Um, I'm going to stay positive and keep an open mind. And uh, even on a second rewatch, it didn't bug me as much the second time through. So, um, But I, in Deep Space Nine Season 1, there was an episode where Bashir got possessed. Mm-hmm. And they ended up going back and ADRing all of his lines because the performance just didn't work. And that's what, that's how much I didn't like this uh, Carol King performance. I want them to go ADR here for the rest of the season and get a different uh, accent. So that, that didn't resonate with me, but I still had fun with the episode and I'm still jazzed for the show to be back. We have a request from uh, Dom in chat. Cosmo <laughs> show that rad mug more. So give us a good shot of that mug. He's digging that little Metallica black album, you know, yep. tread on me snake. Yep, yeah, yep. I dig that. With a little Klingon blood wine in there. Ah, yar. Yeah, I loved it when Spock did that. It was like a pirate yar. Yar. Yeah, yar. that was fun. That that was yeah. fun. And uh, going back to your conversation earlier about the do you say the thing? Um, it, it made for a better trailer line than in episode. It also took me out of the episode a little bit, and it just makes me think. Well, Cisco didn't have a thing. Janeway didn't have a thing. it's just such a modern thing. Um, But again, it just washes over me because the cat, it's so much fun and the cast is so good that I'm easy going, I guess. I I like that strange new worlds, like doesn't take itself too seriously. I feel like some of those things when they don't take me out of the episode, like it's fun and TOS had its own style of camp. Um, So that stuff, I kind of like, it works for me that way. I like I like laughing when I watch Star Trek. Like that doesn't happen with some other series. I think there's everyone um in you know has their trek and you're going to start picking and choosing, you know, certain battles and not all canonical battles are going to be won, you know, especially with this much like 57 years of content, you know, especially with how much time that we spent with the original series crew and the original series movies and and the content that comes from the you know that era. And this era kind of like being superimposed on it. I mean, that's like the best way of, of saying it. It's like it's being superimposed on an era that's so familiar that and the ground is so well tread or trodden upon. So, yeah, you know, I think that it's, a, it's I think that a healthy way of looking at this is is kind of like 
finding the content that really sticks with you, you know, and celebrating that content because it's not going to, you know, I don't think it's going to hit every single thing for every single person. And I don't think that was the case when it first came out. It was more so because there was less of it, you know, but now that there's so much of it, you know, um, it's a really nice buffet to be able to to feast from, you know, to be honest with you. What was your uh, guys' first impression of our new engineer? To be honest with you, Uh, Heather, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so I'm a Carol Kane fan, so I, I can't not like Carol Kane. However, I did find in the beginning that I had to disconnect myself from what I know of Carol Kane um, to see the character because I was just seeing Carol Kane. <laughs> um, and then I can understand, like, I, I know she played around with that accent to make it something that no one would recognize. She wanted it to to exemplify the the new race um the lanthanite which is not a lamp the night which is what i heard um so i it took me the episode but by the end of the episode and especially a couple of rewatches i really liked her i felt that she was intriguing mischievous uh commanded my attention i still miss hammer very much <laughs> i i we're supposed to see Bruce Horak again. I really hope we do. Otherwise, I will be upset. But I, I love Carol Kane. I wish there was room for both of them. I felt that I was seeing the Yoda scene from Empire Strikes Back. When a very serious Luke, like a very serious Spock, was trying to do something, has a, you know, he had an agenda. And then all of a sudden, this impish, mischievous, frustrating little creature comes in and just ruins his plans. And that's how I felt about Carol Kane's Pelia, where all of a sudden she's the least seriously taken person on the bridge because of her demeanor, because of her, you know, her characteristics. Now, you know, that's displayed away as being a lanthanite, but I just love that she wasn't, you know, Starfleet normal. You know, there was something odd about her and uh, we'll see where it goes. And I like the fact that she dropped Amanda Grayson's name. Um, yeah. There's a theory that we put on Discord where she is possibly has been following the Vulcans since Carbon Creek and Enterprise. So, you know, maybe that's how she just kind of made her way to the Vulcan consulate in Starfleet and maybe met Amanda Grayson there. So we don't know. Um, but I'm just sorry, something. I have to interrupt you because Paul Harvath is like Carol Kane as Yoda discuss. <laughs> if, if that's what I can leave the audience with, and I've done my job here, we can uh, end the show right now. But we won't because we still have a few more callers. Uh, Cosmo, thanks so much, man, for calling yes, in. Good uh, to see you. It's so good time. to see you. Glad you enjoyed the show. Hopefully, Pelia will grow on you. If not, that's okay, too. And um, she's obviously good at her job because she saw through the uh, fake thing. So so that gives me hope. And uh, we just got to see her interact with more of the crew. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Have a good one, guys. All right. Bye. Thanks, Cosmo. Um, and the man's last name, who I love saying so much, John Arminio, we have up next. <laughs> What's Hi, John. happening, John? Hi, uh, thanks for ha- having me on. I really appreciate it. Glad you're here. Um, how are you doing with Strange New Worlds, um, uh, the first episode? Yeah, I'm just always up for what Strange New Worlds is putting down. Um, but yeah, the, there are things that did bug me about the episode that I just don't know why we needed to steal the Enterprise again. Like, I think it would have been just as much of a test of Spock's anxiety is if 
Admiral Robert April took the um, distress call seriously and ordered the Enterprise to investigate. And then Spock would have had to keep his anxiety about command under control and maybe even tried to get out of the assignment, say, no, you know, we're operating on a skeleton crew. It's not the Enterprise's position to do this. And and would have to sort of subsume that, you know, that fear of his own responsibility and actually, like, take on that mission. I think that would have been a much more interesting bit of character growth than another stealing the Enterprise scene. Yeah, I, I think that was another way of, of looking at I, another way of what I wanted to see in that scene where April's like, okay, go check it out, but don't yeah. get don't get us involved in a war and spock's like yeah what <laughs> you're like, yeah. i don't know how to do that he's like no you're in command pike put you in command for 72 hours you're in command you know and what we would have gotten the other trope of we're the only ship in the quadrant that can do this yeah because that's always happens to the enterprise you know there's a fleet of ships at starbase one but we're the only ship in the quadrant that can get to kajitar four so of course <laughs> but uh yeah having the skeleton crew having maybe pally a pick at him the entire time like mm-hmm. are you sure you want to do this you know like i remember your mom telling me this about you when you were a boy and all these little secrets being exposed that would have been hilarious um and yeah maybe getting a little bit more ortegas and and more mitchell kind of like involved in the conversation um maybe seeing um mabanga and uh, chapel you know kind of uh commiserate about uh what are you going to do when you see the Klingons next time? Because we know how you feel mm-hmm. about them, right? So it could have gone either way. I, I mean, I like that idea. I like the way that they handled it from an acting standpoint. But yeah, yeah putting Spock and and kind of like having his anxiety like center stage definitely, I think, was the right call for a first episode. Um, just kind of like letting the letting the audience breathe without like the central characters, you know, as um, it's kind of like, you know, in uh and cliffhangers when you don't bring in like the main character for like the first two or three episodes you let the audience kind of like stir a little bit like where are our heroes where is pike is he ever coming back you know and of course he is but you've waited all this time for him to be in the first episode and you kind of get teased with it a little bit and una but you know they'll eventually you know yeah mature yeah. back into the scene um but yeah i like that idea uh were there any, I mean, I know like you're a big original series fan, I believe. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, how are you coming to terms with, I mean, is it, does it kind of uh, affect you as, as I've described it affects me where you're having this superimposition of these two different um, timelines kind of working with and against each other at the same time? Um, you know, it, I think for me, the the strangest bit of navigating the, the two versions of the Enterprise and of these these characters is with uh, a different person playing Spock. Um, just because Nimoy is so tied to that role, and I think that role is so tied to Nimoy, even more than any, I think, in my opinion, any other Trek character. I mean, he had two books titled you know, it, about his relationship to that character. And so th- that's been my biggest hang up. But I think I've gotten, gotten over that because I do really like Ethan Peck um, it, it in this role of the, the, the Vulcan science officer. I, I think he's, he's fantastic. And, and just from watching TOS so, as much as I have, there's a lot of internal inconsistencies 
in the world building in the original series um, because they hadn't really figured it out yet. So when there's further inconsistencies 57 years later, that doesn't really bother me. Um, I, I'm I'm glad to see the TNG slash TOS movie Klingon design come back, even if that doesn't jive with the way they looked at TOS. I, I like you said, there's a great variety to the the makeups and the costumes. It's fantastic, and you know one thing that I I think Strange New Worlds does so beautifully that we haven't talked about yet tonight is just the production design and lighting of the enterprise is so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. Maybe it does veer a little bit on the too dark side, but that's something that I think has been endemic for like science fiction, the last 20 years in television. So I'm, that's easily forgivable, but it looks like a place where I would like to live and work. It seems so comforting, so inviting, but also suitably futuristic. Just gives an out and out home run on the way the enterprise looks and and i think the way it navigates bridging the classic enterprise with modern sensibilities it just is absolutely flat out a home run i love that i love that because i i had similar thoughts where i was you know watching tos and every time i watch tos now i'm just like nobody does it like tos like and no one can replicate that you that it's not going to happen um tos succeeded in selling tvs i know that um but just the, the i think that strange new worlds does such an excellent job of not doing the same thing but sticking to the same like we're going to use color in fun ways yeah. we're going to have the you know the vr wall but we're going to have the matte paintings like we we had some nice like ship porn and the cinematography and I, the cinematography from all of the new trek to me is just next level and that's to be expected with where we are in entertainment today but i feel like it's such a nice compliment that tos started off star trek with this revolutionary technology and look um to sell tvs and here we are like strange new worlds could totally sell me a tv 100 percent. Mm-hmm. so i i love that comment no thank you Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few more uh, callers to get to, John, uh, before the end of the show. We are going to extend the uh, time just a little bit more, um, but uh, just in case you had one more final thought to share with us. Uh, yeah, just, um, just God, this cast is so good together. Um, that moment when Mbanga and Chapel were going to go off into uh, open space together, and they're they're just looking at each other's eyes. They're just such unspoken intimacy that scene was so powerful so just this anything this cast does together is just amazing so i'm that's one of the the real strengths of this excellent show i'm glad you brought that up because um heather i I talked about this with you uh earlier there is um that scene where they looked at each other was almost the exact same scene in a Marvel movie where Hawkeye and Black Widow looked at each other. They had, and, and you know, their partners, uh, just in terms of having, you know, experienced war and, and, you know, uh, whatever they did together, you know, when they were with S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, but yeah, there's a, an, an unwritten um, something, you know, whether it's love, whether it's affection, whether it's trust, loyalty, you know, all of the above and everything in between between those two. That's something that's worth really paying attention to because it's so unwritten and it's so deep 
you know, and they played it off so beautifully because nothing was said. You didn't have to say anything, right? That's all acting. So that that's, that's definitely worth, you know, taking a deeper look into. And I hope that they explore that more yeah, um, because there's a lot more between Mabenga and Chapel and definitely with Mabenga, um, yeah. you know, with uh, the super soldier serum that he pumped into his veins or both of them did. So yeah, where's uh, the ship's counselor yeah. again? Where's the counselor? Like yeah. why you, he needs, they he need needs it to talk for to sure. someone. We'll see where they go with that. Hopefully in, in uh, sometime this season, but uh, for now, uh, thanks John for your call, man. Appreciate you being here, yes. uh, sharing you. your thoughts with us. Um, a great night. Thanks Thank man. You. you too. And uh, we have Alan here. What's happening, Alan? Hey, Heather, Hi. Norm. So hey. good to see you guys. What's up, buddy? Yes, welcome. We're uh, just uh, just hanging out, just you know, getting ready for stuff. Nothing, nothing in particular. Oh, yeah. oh, I see. I see what you're getting ready for. Something in uh, Riverside, maybe. A little bit of, a little bit of that. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Love it. Yeah, yeah. This is last I'm not year's sure if, shirt. I'm not sure but... if the ship behind you is going to sell any TVs, but, you know, you can give it a try. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's all right. You know, it's a, it'll, uh, it'll, de- <laughs> it'll help with the delivery. That's <laughs> it'll, it'll fit on the, on the back of the truck with the TV when it comes down the street. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to be back here with you guys. It's good to be back here with, with this crew and this show God, it's so good. It's so fun. Loved it. Um, just, and I loved uh, that. I, you know, I, I feel like at at this point in the show, I'm going to be, you know, stepping on someone else's comments from before anyway. So I'll just say it. Uh, it was just a good, nice group show, or you know, a good episode for the whole group. Nice table setting to see where everybody's at. Uh, going into season two, um, and where everybody's at, not just, you know, literally and physically, but also kind of emotionally and, and where they are in their character. So yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, Heather, you asked, uh, on discord, you know, what the breaking of uh, the broken circle ah. may have meant. Um, and of course it was the, there was the broken circle was, you know, it was mentioned by Laon as being this, uh, you know, this arms trading group there that was trying to reignite the war, but, I came up with a couple things. Okay. Um, I, I came up with <laughs> broken circle of trust. You know, so there's the circle of trust and then there's a broken circle of trust. And that's kind of like Spock going off on his own, maybe breaking the trust of Pike, take care, take care of my ship. You know, I'll be back in 72 hours. You know, what could go possibly go wrong? Famous last words kind of thing. Um, but also, you know, I posted this on Discord. I said the breaking of this, this whole the dynamic of where the crew has started in this episode is kind of like the breaking of the fellowship in Lord of the Rings where the fellowship, the nine, you know, they did their thing. And then all of a sudden they're going off into different parts of their own stories uh, to, you know, to, to see, you know, where their journey takes them. So, you know, Spock is on his journey. Mabenga and Chapel are on their journey. Laon is on her journey. They're all in these different parts of their own journeys, but they're all going to eventually, I think, come back to the same space, you know, the, you know, you know, at the, at the end of whatever the story is, but they're all, they're all within their own worlds, their own world building stories. Uh, so maybe that could have been it. Uh, I could be reaching horribly and not making any sense, but that's where I'm going with it. Alan, what do you think? Oh yeah. No, that's, that was uh, entirely my, my thoughts as well that, you know, that, 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 you know, literally, yeah, we've got these, 
these two characters going off to do this one thing that's not going to be resolved until next episode, and that's fine. You know, either we're going to get that story this week and some and uh, the the story that we got this week next week. It's interchangeable to me. I'm fine with it either way. Um, but yeah, or we've got this this bit with the most of the cast, and yeah, Spock's got his issues that he's sort of been keeping to himself. Uh, Pike or uh, uh, Umbenga and Chapel have their private issues and and what they've been going through, and yeah, La- Laan has been away for all this time, um, and. Uh, while we're talking about Lon, just a little bit of the thing here. Uh, yes, we had our, Mar- <laughs> our Marvel Super Soldier moment, but Lon herself got both a Marion Ravenwood and a Princess Leia moment in this episode. Yep. So, good oh, for her. Oh, oh, I also, and I feel bad because I don't remember where I saw it, but Lon is wearing the same cloak that Giorgio is wearing or was oh. wearing in Discovery. There was a side by side like picture thing, and I wish I could find it, but it's totally the same. So, that's a question for Bernadette. We have Bernadette back. Uh, I want to ask about, I'm going to confirm that that was the same outfit. It looked very similar. Could be, yeah. Sure. yeah. I really, yeah. I really think it was. Um, and I totally, I have to butt in because if I don't mention it, I'll forget oh, no. <laughs> about it. And I'm totally curious. But like for me, aside from the Vatamos, like Ortegas really didn't do it. Like, yeah, okay, here's all of our family. We're checking in with everybody. But Ortegas again was just like a set, like sentences here and there. And and just comic relief to me again. And yeah. I, I, I wait, like I know we're gonna get an Ortega's episode at some point, but now I'm just really concerned that it's gonna be like a one-off episode, and Ortega's is still just <laughs> a character that says funny things and like does a great job of flying yeah. the ship. But like I want more. Don't don't area Ortega's guys. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. No. But. No. Uh, one last bit about the circle, though, before we get off off of that topic. Uh, the other reference that that stuck in my head is there's a there's a a hymn that's you know, uh, will the circle be unbroken? And mm. it, again, it's about you know, I don't know if it's a direct reference or something that the that the uh, the showrunners would have been thinking about when coming up with this. Uh, especially since it's very much about, you know, will we meet our loved ones in heaven? But it is sort of about the maintaining of the idea of of the circle as a symbol of, like, a promise. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, what's being threatened is sort of like the promise of peace, the promise of Starfleet, uh, the promise of, you know, cooperation with the Klingons, things like that. So... Uh, that's that's another sort of area that sort of you know hit me when I was thinking about that. Um, I gotta say, I am I am pro Pelia. <laughs> All right, <laughs> this for me it worked very well as a way to uh, introduce uh, the this type of new character. Um, my only hope is that uh, in relation to Hemmer, that this doesn't become Star Trek's version of the uh, Professor for Dark Arts 
or Spinal Tap's drummer. Or Spinal so. Tap's yeah. drummer, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I would I would hate to, you know, again get it uh, once again get attached to a character that we're going to say goodbye to because they're, you know, a guest star. Um, but I mean, and honestly, you know, the choice to make her a nearly uh, uh, immortal being, <laughs> apparently, also uh, seems very uh, anvil dropping in terms of how this might go for her as a character. I, you know, obviously nobody has spoilers that far ahead, but you know, it seems like you know, okay, so yeah, this is a character that's not going to stick around forever for us. Great. <laughs> but, you know, I like her. I like the I like the kooky voice. It's fun for me. <laughs> I, can, she's I gonna, can't help it. She's gonna hit or miss with people. Yeah. That's just the way like kind of like yeah. extreme styles are. So Exactly. Uh, I'm, and I I'm like, glad you know. Yeah, and and I and I like the the she embodies that sort of like, you know. Uh, neutral, you know, to to bring gaming into it, that neutral good idea of Star Trek and Starfleet. You know, if the rules say that we can help people, then we should help people. If the rules don't say that we can help people, we should find a way to help them anyway. (laughs) You know, it's about helping people and it's about, you know, doing the most good for the most people and you whatever methods are needed to do that that's the way it goes so okay yeah fair 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 uh, i i don't want to take up too much time uh so yeah just uh that's pretty much i think that pretty much covers everything that i had to go go through um yeah the green junk the green junk that they shot themselves up with is the bag of pennies and the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the Halloween bucket for me, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Collect enough pennies, though, and you can make uh, at least a nickel. So, exactly. uh, you know, a nickel for the next episode. See what that Woo-hoo. takes us. All right, Alan, thanks so much for your call, man. Appreciate uh, you being Absolutely. here. I'm glad we were able to fit you in. And uh, we have just a few more. So we have Sherry on the line uh, before uh, we have, I think, one more, one or two more callers. We want to get you in here, too. Uh, how are you doing, Sherry? Doing all right. Welcome Yay. back to the show. Hi, <laughs> Good to see you again, Norm. <laughs> Good to see you too. What's on your mind? Uh, so yeah. Um, Love the background, by the way. It's so shiny. Oh yeah, I had yeah. to be on the right bridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always have to change the bridge, but uh, I have a different shirt. <laughs> so what would the Enterprise shirt be? Would it be Prize? I think uh, so. Enter right? oh, is a little too wacky, don't I you think? I think Jesse Gender had a, had a great, it would be to pre. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's I so cool. <laughs> oh, that's so neat. Yeah. Enter, I think, is just a little too provocative, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And prize. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. Uh, as to the episode. I think this episode had something in it that has bugged me a little bit about Strange New Worlds the whole time is that I love Ethan Peck, but the Strange New Worlds Spock is a bit too emotional, in my opinion. Um, I feel like 
and I get that the Vulcans are supposed to have, you know, more emotions, but the whole thing is that they're supposed to mask them. Um, and he does not mask every other thing. It's just like, oh my god. And I'm like, no, that's not really how Vulcans do. And I suppose you could go into, like, you could argue that this is, he's younger, so this is before he goes on the Enterprise. So I suppose, theoretically, he could develop to be more masking. Um, and there could be that. But I also felt like he was playing it different in Discovery than he is now. Because in Discovery, he was having a full-out mental breakdown, and yet he was showing less emotion on his face than he is now. So I'm like... <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's the, di- the difficult thing about uh, the, you know, the entirety of Spock's mythology is that you know, Leonard Nimoy came in, you know, so fully formed into the role, you know, post cage, you know, the cage, remember, and, and I don't want to sound again, like the TOS gatekeeper, but the cage was a pilot. Mm-hmm. The cage was an experimental story that Gene Roddenberry was using to build a series. So anything that happened in the cage, even Pike himself probably wasn't the best version of Pike that Jeffrey Hunter could have created or the best version of Yeoman Colt or the best version of uh, Dr. Boyce, you know, or the best version of Mr. Spock. They were all pilot level acting performances. So especially with Spock, especially with Nimoy saying like, we need you to play an alien. Go like, no, I don't know how to play an alien. So anything that I'm going to do, I'm just going to make my face and actions look alien, but it doesn't make it a character. So leaning into that and creating the mythology of a new Spock from a pretty much uh, the the proto Spock, I think is very dangerous ground uh, without really informing where the fully matured version of Spock comes from, you know, after that. So somewhere along the line, I think there's going to be a little bit lost in translation with the acceptance of where Spock is at TOS versus where Spock is being kind of crafted now. And I think that that's where maybe the consternation is coming from in the audience. I could I could be wrong, but I think I, I feel like I'm on the screws with that one. Well, in this like in this episode specifically, we know that Spock is different because Spock can't hold anything back. Um, his his blocks are removed, so. Even more so, he's not in control of himself. And at least that can validate why he is more impulsive and every and and just emotional in general. I mean, we leave the episode with him saying he doesn't know how to describe. I have no words for how I feel or what I feel about Nurse Chapel. Uh, and and I hope to me, I think a lot of people have, have asked, like who is who is Spock when he is emotional? Like, what is that side of Spock? And so this this journey, to me, it's the journey. It's filling in the blanks of who the person is. But it is kind of different because it's it's a different Spock that we know. So, I, and it, same thing with Chapel, same thing with Mbenga. It's like we're we're creating these stories, and I'm really happy to have these stories. I like fleshing out these characters. I like filling in blanks. But what's going to happen that that takes chapel from strange new worlds chapel to TOS chapel. And again, there's a connection, there's a hint of this character. And, but, but overall that chapel is not, it's a very, very different from the person that we've met. And it makes me really sad to think about how did such a dynamic individual who apparently 
uh, is a super soldier and trained and every, like, how does this turn into the Christine chapel in, in TOS? And I'm still working. Like, hopefully we see it. I don't know if it will be good, but that, that will still kind of linger. And it leaves me to where it's just better for me to watch strange new worlds alone and not try to plug things in and make it all work. Like where's it going to end up eventually? Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I don't like, I don't want sad stories. And I mean, Mbenga is like a fascinating front and center character right now in this episode. I am hooked, but then in TOS, we see him a couple times and that's, it's, you know, by then it's, it's, it's a different show. So I guess he's not as big in that show is what I'll tell myself, but there's, there's definitely some brain gymnastics going on. And hopefully, you know, again, we don't know where this series is going to take us. So um, we can hope for the best and, and see how it works out. Uh, Mike Mike says that she must get lobotomized in the series finale, which is. I'm actually hoping it's more like how they just completely forgot that in TOS, they said women couldn't be captains. And I'm OK yep. with them completely forgetting that just as I'm OK with them completely forgetting what chapel is like in tos i think it's okay if they never match it up i think it yeah. and they may, like the and they may never captain's thing they, they may <laughs> never you know <laughs> so yeah um sure we have uh, time for like one last thought uh before we have to let you go so we can get our last caller and not go too long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> let's see yeah i i would i'll just weigh in on the pelia thing i'm also sad still sad that hammer is gone I nothing against Carol Kane. I like Carol Kane. I still wanted her to say, have fun storming the castle. Right? <laughs> I wanted her to like come on the bridge and like start shouting at Spock, liar, liar. <laughs> Get back, like, you Lanthanite. Like I'm her. not a Lanthanite. I'm your engineer. Yeah. <laughs> I like her and I think her character is interesting, but I can't not still be mad that we don't have Hammer. <laughs> I, I love an impact, man. I was so excited to have an ANR on on board so yeah i'm yeah. sad <laughs> r.i.p hammer hammer made an impact what can we say and i really i really hope they they make good on the claiming that bruce warwick will be back because i hope I so him. if not i will write an angry letter <laughs> yes I, I i can co-sign it <laughs> <laughs> well thanks sherry for uh for being with us on the show um please come back next time so we can have a little Yay! bit more discussion time with you Yay! okay will do. all right See ya. Uh, rounding out our last caller, we have Dave. What's happening, Dave? Hello. Hi, Dave. How are we doing? How are we doing? I'm at, doing all right. Short. Um, I'm appreciating the Hammer love tonight. <laughs> yeah, he was but, he was uh, a well loved character. Yeah. Yeah. He he. I didn't quite get him to begin with, but then I I also really grew to love him and was sad to see him go. Yeah. But, uh, a lot of this. Um, not to rehash a lot, but a lot of it seemed like writers trying to make things happen in this episode. Um, stealing the Enterprise again, um, throwing Carol in there seemed so abrupt. It's like she just ran on and said, "Oh, I'm here." <laughs> like no introduction, no. That. I mean, and I don't know where it'll go, but it just seemed a lot of "we're going to make this happen" type of episode. Um, I was missing Pike the whole episode. I kept wondering where he was, what he was doing. And I know they explained he was off, but it just kept popping into my head. What is he up to? <laughs> he needs to come and uh, 
ask where the Enterprise is. Where'd my ship go? Right. You scratch the paint shop. I, I, I leave the ship for 72 hours and the paint's all dented. And then I don't think, I don't remember it being discussed, but the lack of consequences for stealing the Enterprise is a continual thing in the in Star Trek. I made a joke that there must be a class at Starfleet Academy of how to steal a, a spaceship because it seems pretty easy. <laughs> People steal shuttlecraft. People steal spaceships all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, I guess the, the disciplinary review boards in the Starfleet are maybe not as what we'd like them to be. <laughs> yeah. So those, those are my few last thoughts. What do you think about that, Heather? Do you think um, we're getting to that point where, again, we're asking for forgiveness more than permission? Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is my bigger, I have a bigger question. I'm going to take your hmm. question and turn it. Because when we were talking about Quality of Mercy, the finale from last season. I was reading through our notes, um, and John had some notes on there about that, you know, that that episode really being more about Spock. And and I, I do kind of feel like without with with Pike stepping aside, you know, Spock is Spock is kind of the golden boy. I put it in the chat somewhere. Um, and, and it's like, is, is Spock the golden boy right now? Like Spock can get away with just about everything. And I mean, they, ex- they explain in the episode, they follow up and say why they let him happen. And Gorn, like we didn't talk about Gorn at all tonight, but Gorn, um, we're not done with the Gorn. Right. So that'll be curious, but I, <laughs> unless something takes, takes me completely out of the episode, I don't mind it. Like I, I, uh, quality of mercy wasn't a bad episode to me, even though it it it, it included territory we had seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it was still something fun and new, and I thought that this episode, even though they were stealing the ship again, I thought that overall it was still a fun adventure. Um, so as long as as long as it's something that I like. <laughs> As long as it's enjoyable, um, I don't mind it. But yeah, you know, I think that it's Strange New World. So there's plenty of opportunity to do strange new things. Um, One of the concerns that people have brought up is they're bringing up that Kirk's going to be part of this new episode or new season again. And I'm just worried. I don't want Pike to become almost the secondary cast. It's supposed to be his show, supposed to be his enterprise. That one yeah. really threw me last season when, oh, Kirk's here. Kirk's going to save the day. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it, uh, I just, I'm love. I, I enjoy the show. I just, I just hope we don't get distracted. Cause I know that's where we're going. I mean, it's going to be Kirk's ship at some point. I just. Yeah. Just, no, I had those same concerns. Like I, I just, it I is. like too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I'm very excited to see him next next um, episode, and hopeful mm-hmm. that we get Una back by the end of it, because uh, you know we we left off, we didn't know how long it was going to take to get her back. So I'll be happy to have the whole crew together again and see what they're doing as a unit. Uh, but you know, I get it. I've had the same concerns about, oh gosh, it's Kirk, and no, I'm still, I'm still enjoying Pike. We don't need to go to the Kirk stuff yet, and I feel like it might be a slow burn 
to get to there. Uh, and hopefully I will come out of this liking the new Kirk more than I currently do. <laughs> That's fair. No, not a fan uh, either. <laughs> we'll see where that goes. I mean, you know, it's, uh, again, with, with so much limited time and with a character that already precedes himself, you know, from yeah. obviously decades of, uh, of a legacy that is so entrenched with Star Trek itself. Um, it's, it's hard to kind of like see it reset, you know, even before his own, uh, his own debut, you know, back in, you know, uh, where no man has gone before, you know, back in 1966. So it, it takes a little bit of mental gymnastics to try and reconcile all that stuff. Dave, thanks for calling in. Uh, I hate to yes. be abrupt uh, towards the end of the episode here, but we are running a little bit out of time. Perfect uh, time. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you were here. Please call again so we can have you on a longer yes, discussion. Um, because uh, Heather and I will be back uh, next week. It's either uh, John and I will be back or Heather and I will be back, but Heather will definitely be back. <laughs> Uh, for uh, discussing uh, the next episode of Strange New World. So um, one last thought, Heather, before we uh, have to close the show. And thank you for chat, for staying with us for this extended time. Um, uh, Earl, our producer, you know, we have all these callers in and we want to make sure that we get everybody in just because uh, it is the start of a new season. We have so much incitement and anticipation and uh, so many people wanting to call in. We want to get all your voices. But also remember that if you want to continue this discussion and you have not yet joined our Discord and Patreon, please do so because we're going to be extending this discussion on Wednesday for another yes. live chat. So please yes. be there if you can. Um, again, Heather, one last thought, and uh, we're going to close out the show. Oh, I'm just really happy to be back watching Star Trek that I love. Uh, I, I, it's, it's my happy place and, and Mission Long Discord are my happy people. And I'm just glad to be here. So yay, let's go. Oh gosh, let's go. That's not a good, that's Is not that a your good thing? one. No. That, are you doing the thing? No, it's not. <laughs> I take that back. It's definitely not going to be let's go. I'll work on it and I'll come up with something for future episodes. Perfect. (laughs) Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the effervescent Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to my co-host Heather Barker for helping us kick off such an exciting second season for Strange New Worlds. Thanks to everyone who's joined us live or later. Next week, we'll be back with our recap and review of Strange New Worlds Episode 2, Ad Astra Per Aspera. We look forward to seeing you all next week. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.